Good morning, everybody. We're in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 this morning. Uh, it's the first book, the first page of your Bible. Pretty easy to find the next few weeks. Pretty easy to find where we are, which is awesome. I'm going to read the first three verses of Genesis. It reads as follows. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. Last year, my family and I flew to Phoenix, Arizona. Went to visit some good friends of ours who, from, from uh, Flint City, had moved to Phoenix. We went to see them. And while we were seeing them, we decided to go and see something I've always wanted to see my entire life. See, if you're in Phoenix, you're like five hours from the Grand Canyon. I've heard about it. You know, see, you've seen it in movies. And people say you can't describe it. So I want to see what they're talking about. So we drove north, went to the canyon. When you go into the uh, Grand Canyon National Park, there's all these pull-offs, okay? So we did the first pull-off. We pull off, got out of the car, and you got to hike to the, to the face of the canyon. So we're just walking. And I can't see anything. Like, I'm walking to the edge. I'm like, okay, oh, So you first you'll get walking through trees and stuff. And then... I see a lighthouse, and being the lighthouse, it was, it, was, it, was, it was not a cloud in the sky. It was a blue sky that day. I see there's emptiness. There's just blue behind, beyond this, this uh, watchtower. As we're walking to the, to the edge, I'm, I'm probably a good 200 yards away. I can see that the edge of this, there's nothing. Like This edge is over an abyss. As I walk toward it, it's hard to describe what it felt like. It felt like being on a roller coaster. You know, remember like on a receiver point when you go over the first hill and your stomach goes up into your lungs? That's what it felt like. It felt like the, like the things wanted to come out. And I'm walking and I'm scared. I'm, 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 I'm sweating. And I'm walking down, not up. I'm not like, I'm not gassed. I'm not that out of shape. I am just, there was, there's like a, there was a f anxiety, a fear like this. I'm walking towards something much greater than I am. So I, I, I kind of creep creep and I get to the stinking the edge and, and, and there's just this who here's been to the canyon who here's been to the canyon let me see you've been to the canyon Tony I didn't know um it's hard to describe I took pictures and the pictures are like meh but being there like the kids got bored pretty quick because kids are kids let's go somewhere else dad go to the next pull off. I'm like, ah. But I stood there sweating in fear. As far as I can see to the left, as far as I can see to the right, it's just a chasm in the earth. I can see the strata of ages past in the mountain. Eagles flew below us, hunting prey. It's wild. It's wild. I stood there and I felt very, very small. And the world felt very, very big and very, very grand. 
And for most of us Americans, creation has lost that power for most of us. For most of us, the world around us is more of an inconvenience than something that's awe-inspiring. For most of us, the weather is like, oh, it's going to snow. It's going to be a slower ride to work today. Oh, man, it's going to be rainy, man. You know, I can't go work on my yard. For most of us, weather, storms don't scare us. When I was a kid, storms would scare me. I remember being a little kid and the thunder would shake the house and I would just be like, oh, I'd, just, I'd get in my bed with my mama and just curl up because I was scared of the thunder. As adults, we lost a lot of that majesty, that fear, that awe. Oftentimes when it snows in the middle of the night, I get up at five in the morning with my dog. My dog we take a, I walk with my dog every morning. And we walk out after a, a, a fresh snowfall and no one's left their houses yet. I love walking through untouched snow. I know we're in February. I know it's gray. I know we all long for the spring. I know we had a big storm this week. You're like, I hate snow. Listen, I shoveled my driveway four times this week. Okay, I understand snow gets old. But man, walking out when there's not a single footprint in the snow. And it's not the gray sludge yet. It's white beauty. You know what I'm saying? It's just the untouched, fresh fallen and my puppy's just jumping through leaving paw prints and I'm just like this is beautiful like it's just you just feel it this is is something some of you might be bird watchers I don't know if you're bird watchers or not my daughter loves watching birds she'll go in the backyard she's up a little she has this little secret garden she made for herself she's she's her mother's daughter and uh in secret garden she has a birdhouse and birds will come and visit it sometimes and she'll just watch to see what kind of birds she has a little list of the birds that have come to her house and visited and had food Saw a hummingbird once. They're crazy looking. We as a church started last week reading, we're reading through the entire Bible, uh, the whole Testament this year. As we started in Genesis 1 and read the first 11 chapters of the book. And we begin with God creating everything. Genesis 1 begins with creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is God's claim to fame. He is creator. He is maker. My stepdads were growing up, my stepdads used to say to me, maybe your dad said this to you too, you get in trouble, and your stepdad would say, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. Well, that didn't make sense for him to say that, or did it? You're like, you didn't bring me into nothing. You're my stepdad. <laughs> but a real dad or a real mom could probably say, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. Well, in the Bible, one of God's claims of fame is being creator. Oftentimes, he'll be like, I made you. I formed you. Like, in your mother's womb, I put you together. God the creator makes everything. He makes the earth and the sky and the sea, the mountains, the animals. He makes this, you know what? He makes this, I'm grateful that he makes this proliferation of incredible food. God doesn't just make vitamins. He makes food. There are like so many different strawberries in the world. That's a, that's a gift from the Lord. God makes this whole world. And, it is, and the, I want us to really focus on one phrase starting off. When every day God makes something, after he makes it, he says, and it was good. Everything God makes, he steps back and goes, That's good. Now, we are made in the image of God. The Bible says that male and female, he made in the image of God. So we are made 
We have the fingerprints of our creator upon us. So because we're made like him, we have inside of us this desire to create. I like to cook sometimes. Not often. I used to cook a lot more, but I cook sometimes. I really enjoy it. When I cook a meal, my boss, the great George Maracas from all those carryout, used to tell me, food has two halves, how it tastes and how it looks. So when I make food, I try to make it look. I, presentation matters, you know what I'm saying? It's gotta, if, it's, if I get you a food that tastes great, but it's like a sludge, that, it takes away from the experience. I make food. If someone comes to my house and I make food for them, that is an act of love. I've made this dish for you. When I give you that dish, I'm like, when I make a good dish, if I make lasagna and it comes out of the oven and it's not burned and the bottom layer doesn't stick to the pan, I look at, I look at that lasagna I just made and I go, I did that. And it is good. <laughs> no, when we make things, I had a, butt, I had a guy who used to tell me on Friday, he's a roofer. And he'll drive through Waterford and look at houses he roofed 10 years later go, man, I put that roof on. Look, it's still going strong. And in his, in his heart, there's this, this, this sense of accomplishment. I did that with my hands. I, I served that, those people, that family, that, that restaurant. I served them. And look, at it's still serving them today. If you're a musician or a poet or a writer... The things you make, you make it in hope. This is going to be, look at this good thing I make and I give to the world to bless it and to help it. Like our Father, like our Creator, we are creators. We make. And God makes good things. Our God is a creator and our God is good. He makes good things. The, the world God made, He made with just great joy. When He made humanity, we made you and us. You and me, it says, after God made Adam, male and female, it says, he said, it is very good. When he made us, he was like, that's the prize of my creation. That's, that's the best thing I made was these people made in my image. And sometimes we feel the goodness of creation. Sometimes we feel the goodness of the world God made. In the spring, um, sometimes we have, we have birds put a nest on our deck, and when the, when the eggs hatch, the little babies are out squawking, I'm looking at the good world God made. Just seeing life, you know, life birthed from like just, it's just crazy to me. But even though we do see the good of creation, we're all aware there's bad here too, right? I'm telling you how good things are, but some of you are like, whoa, 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 there's bad here too. During this last storm we had, the big storm here, we got, what, 11 inches, you think, 12 in Flint? 10 to 12 inches here in the snow in the city of Flint? Down in Indiana, so place in Indiana got 21 inches of snow. There's a story out of Indiana. I was, reading, I was reading just the news, whatever, on my phone, and some senior citizen was out driving in the storm. Car slid off the road. In the chaos of the falling snow, everyone overworked, the plows, everything that happened, no one knew to look for her, and she sat in her car and ran out of gas, which means the heater stops working, and they found her dead in that car. You read that, and there's tra you, you feel the sadness of it, like, wow, this world may be good, but there's bad things in it. We read God makes good things, and we're like, well, how come the world we live in 
has so much bad in it. Because there's, there's hard stuff here. We had a guy die in Dort Highway this week. And it was an awful, it was an awful accident. If you were anywhere near it, the police got there late. So there was a lot of stuff that was uncovered for a long time around Dort Highway, right by the speedway. It was really bad. It, like, if you would have seen it, it, would've, it, would've, it, it was traumatizing. Bad things happen. So, that's not me. It's okay, good. That's my phone. Um, so, what happened? If God is good and God made a good world, what the stink happened? We go to Genesis 3. And God, in his kindness, as he makes the world, he makes Adam and Eve, he gives them he gives them everything. He gives them companionship. He gives them a place to live. He gives them work. Here's a free one for you. Work is not a punishment. Work exists in the good world God made. Work is a good thing for our souls. I will probably retire someday. If the Lord gives me years, if I grow, if I become the silver fox I long to be, if this beard goes to gray and this hair, oh, I'll, I'll, it'll look... Don Johnson, here I come. No, but <laughs> if I retire someday and I put down some of the burden of leadership, it's not my goal to go skip rocks 24 hours a day. Though I won't work for a paycheck, I will still have purpose and meaning and give my life to work in this world. Work is not a curse. Work makes rest sweeter, in case you don't know that. Mowing the lawn makes a cold Coke taste better. In case you didn't know that, work makes rest sweeter. So God gives Adam and Eve work, a place, companionship, shelter. But God, love has to be given, not demanded. God, if you want to leave me, there's a door right over there. I've made everything you'd ever need. I've given you full access to myself. But if you want to leave, there's the door. It reads like follows. Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. I want, you to, I want you to highlight in your mind one phrase. You shall surely die. It's the great warning God gives. You can leave me, but apart from me, you can do nothing. If you leave me, if you go from my presence, you will die. And we know the story, right? Adam and Eve, the serpent the serpent tempts, the serpent deceives. Adam and Eve take the fruit and they eat of it. And guess what? They die. And we're still dying today. Sin kills us on every front. It kills on the inside. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, you know what happened? Immediately, it says their eyes were open. They knew good and evil. But as people, we can't know evil and not be changed by it. For us, knowledge is not neutral. For us, knowledge changes us. Adam and Eve come to know this, and they know shame. They know guilt. They hide from each other, and they hide from God. Sin breaks us on the inside. You ever do something wrong, 
and no one knows but you know, and you're afraid of getting caught, and there's that guilt. The phone rings, you're like, do they know? Like they, they might be calling to say hello, and you're walking around scared, like they're going to find me. I want, <laughs> I want to preach a sermon in Waterford on, on adultery. And I, I said as an illustration, some of you are out there playing the fool. I've seen it. I just, it's a real like, random thing to say. I, I, I was just talking nonsense. I got emails that came to the office. Pastor, I know you saw me. I'm so sorry. I'm like, well, what's happening? People, their guilt ate them up. I didn't mean it, Pastor. I was just talking to her. I didn't do nothing. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. What are we talking about? But the guilt caught them. When, you, when we live in, when we sin, if, you, if you're a follower of Christ and you live in sin, his Holy Spirit's going to convict you of that sin. A Christian can live in continual rebellious sin, but they will be miserable if they do. The, the, hound, the, the hound of heavens will chase you, and they will make, they'll give you no peace. You'll live afraid all the time. Do they, do they know? Are they going to leave? Am I going to lose everything? Sin kills on the inside. Guilt, shame, fear. That sin also destroys, destroys all our relationships. When God gave Eve to Adam, when God gave, God saw Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone, and God gives him this, this woman, and they become married, and it is good. And when Adam sees Eve, he writes a song. There's a little, this little poem in the middle of Genesis. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. There's just, he's just overcome, and he can't help but singing. And when they sin, and the Lord God of heaven comes, and God asks Adam, Adam, did you eat of the fruit I command you not to eat of? Adam doesn't say sorry. He doesn't say, forgive me, Lord. He doesn't say, I am undone. He says, it was the woman you gave me, Lord. He blames her and he blames him. I blame the woman, I blame you for giving me the woman. Like he bust chucks his bride to save his own skin. Sin, it isolates us. It, if, if, uh. I was at Carriagetown before I came here. As I was leaving, there was a line of people who wanted to talk and wanted to be prayed for. And today, for some reason, there was one story told three different times. Three different men told me the same story. Pray for me, Pastor. I've got, a, I got, I got, I got small, young children. I've been thrown out of my house because of my decisions and my actions. And I'm losing custody of them. Like I, I'm losing everything. I, can't, I don't live in my house, I've lost my job, and I can't see my children. And all of their sad stories, there are, well, that's all three of those stories, there was lying and betrayal. And it broke those families. Cut them right, cut them right in half. Sin breaks things. Sin, sin destroys relationships. It destroys families, friendships, we lie, betray one another. We break the things. So sin destroys our insides. Sin destroys the outside. Sin also separates us from God. When we choose to sin, we lose access to the Lord. 
God throws Adam and Eve out of the garden. Puts an angel at the gate saying, you can't come back. You want to leave, you're allowed to leave, but you can't come back in this house. Because our God is, he's the creator. Our God is whole, our God is creator, our God is good, but our God is also holy. Our God does not live and dwell with sin. If you want evil, go be with evil, but you can't come back into this house. And we see, Genesis 2 through 11, 3 through 11, we see sin unchecked. Their kid, Adam and Eve knew the Lord face to face. Their kids, Cain murders Abel, right? Genesis 4. Brothers kill one another that fast. You read, the world becomes so wicked, God regrets having made it. Like, like it says that the thoughts of people's hearts was wicked continuously. Like Genesis 3 through 11 is just the world untethered from God and sin. We can't imagine, like we always say the world's getting so wrong. I can't imagine what the world's like in Noah's age. How evil it was, how crazy it was, because no one knew God's face. Sin killed us, and sin kills us. Sin broke the world, but sin also breaks our lives. God's good commands to us are not meant to rob us of the joy of this world. They're meant to protect us. When we choose sin, a lot of us, we have put our hand in the fire and we still are surprised that it burns us up. Sin burns us up. And a lot of us think, but I'll do it fast. Burns a burn, man. But in the midst of this judgment, in the midst of the consequence of sin, we see that God is a redeemer. Adam and Eve, ashamed, naked, hiding. And what does God do for them? Listen to this. In Genesis 3, verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife Garments of skins and clothe them. He clothed them. Now, what does that matter? So they were naked. They were ashamed. They felt vulnerable. And so the God of heaven kills some animals and used their skin to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness. This theme to cover is a theme you see throughout the scripture. We'll see it over and over again. Because the word, the idea to cover is a word we've all heard if you've been to church any length of time. It's the word atone. Atonement. The word atone means to cover. Later on, when God gives the nation of Israel sacrifices, these animals die to cover the sins of the nation. And here in the garden, God covers up Adam and Eve's sin. Though they have sinned and rebelled and chosen against him, he still 
is covering humanity. He's still actively initiating saving grace. And the same way he covered Adam, and the same way he covered Eve, I grew up in uh, apartment complexes or trailer parks most of my life. And being in, in poor environments like that, we would often see domestic disturbances up close and personal. You ever live in an apartment complex, you see the walls are thin, you hear, you hear people's business, right? You live in an apartment, you hear other people's business. As, as a kid, even as a young married couple, and I lived in apartment complexes, sometimes there'd be people get in fights and you'd hear the fights. You hear pans thrown, yelling, punching a wall. But sometimes it'd get real bad. It'd, it'd go beyond yelling. Sometimes it'd go screaming and fear. Like someone's in danger, someone's in trouble. I've seen women thrown out of people's homes, apartments. I've seen police called, having to come to these very dangerous Volatile situations. One day I was living in Waterford near Pontiac, and it was a, I heard a woman screaming from the, the stairwell in the apartment complex. The apartment complex, the stairwell was outdoors, so it echoed. It was all stone. It echoed real big. I heard a woman screaming for help. And I was like 13 years old, so I'm not strong, strong yet, you know? I was afraid. If I go out there as a, a grown man, I'm going to get my head kicked in. I was scared. Thankfully, other people in, in, got involved. I, I, I had a baseball bat at the door looking through the peephole, but I was scared to get involved. This woman I had to throw out of her apartment, she was in a state of undress. Police were called. And the first thing the police did was take off his coat and put it around the girl. He clothed her. She was out there. It wasn't winter but he still put it around her to cover her nakedness. It was a gesture of what, protection, of safety, rehumanizing her because she had been dehumanized. You see, after a fire, people come out of an apartment complex and you see the police or medics have these silver blankets to put around people and they just clothe them, put the blanket over them to protect, to warm to give you a sense of safety. Because of our sin, the sins of our, our fathers and mothers, and because of our own sin, we are ashamed and guilty before God and before one another. But in the same way God Almighty clothed Adam and Eve. God, through his son Christ, is covering the sins of his people still. This is the good news of Jesus. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we may be clothed in his righteousness. The Bible describes my good deeds, my so my goodness is described as filthy rags. A relation that says, do you not know that you are blind and deaf and stupid and naked? 
This is who you are in your sin. But Christ has come and died so we may live. And Christ gives this gift of grace freely that we believe in him. He clothes us with his righteousness. Which means someday, I said I retire. Let's say I get 80 years in this world. Let's say my hair doesn't fall out, it turns gray and awesome. Let's say that all happens. Someday I close my eyes. And my story here ends. The Bible says that everyone will stand before the Lord in judgment. Let's say I stand before the Lord. We all think about the movies. All say like the like the, 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 the movies have dramatized the scene of judgment. Will there be a movie of my life playing? How embarrassing would that be? Will the Lord ask me, "What have you done? How good were you?" But in reality, I'll come to the gates, and I'll literally be wearing the clothes of Jesus. I'll be clothed in Christ's garments. And when the Father sees me, he won't say, oh, Ernesto, man, you're a mess. You're a mess, man. Look at all these people you hurt. You fail. Look at everything. Look at all the promises you didn't keep. Instead, he will look upon me and say, oh, you are clothed in Christ. Enter into my paradise. Enter into your rest. God clothed Adam and Eve. God covered their sin, and he can cover your sin as well. We need not to live in the shame and the guilt of our failures. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ bore that shame and bore our sin that we may live. I'm not saying go out and be a hellion and touch Jesus and say, Ali, 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 I'm not saying that. Jesus is not a get out of jail free card. I do not follow the Christ hoping I'll be good enough to get into his heaven. Instead, I know I have been called good. I know I have been called clean. And out of gratitude, I serve him. It's not out of fear. It's out of love. It's a choice. I love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Most people live their Christian lives in fear of God. Don't smush me how we live. The gospel is not, he might not smush you. The gospel is, Christ was smushed, so you don't have to be. Let Christ cover you. Rest in his goodness. Christ died that you may live. As you read, we are currently reading together the Old Testament. If you're a week behind, join us right now. If you weren't here last week, we're reading every day, Monday through Friday, reading a few chapters a day. We have on the Welcome Center, we have a printed out list for February of what you need to read to to stay with us, to be with us. Also on our website, flintcitychurch.com, you can go to our front page of our website and there is a little button, we'll give you a free app, cost you nothing. We don't need your email or nothing. That app lets you listen to the Bible read aloud. Some of you maybe drive, can listen, listen, on your drive to work, put the Bible on, listen to today's verses. As you read the story of God, 
You need to notice over and over that our God, He is good, that our God covers sin. You're going to see the sin of man and the goodness of God over and over and over again. And what's crazy, even when the sin of humanity just, just gets so big, there is sin in Genesis. Read, as you read Genesis, there's, going to, there's some rated R junk in this book. In case you don't know this, as you read Genesis, there is some rated R sinful junk in this book. And even in the midst of their crappiness, God's like, come here. And he covers still. That's how good, the, the, that's how good our God is. I encourage you to rest in the Lord, to seek the Lord, to know the Lord. He is good, and in him we can find true joy in this life. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, I fear that many of us in this room are Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes. God calls our name and we hide from him. We are afraid and we are ashamed. Our hands are dirty and so we just continue to run away from him. But here we are in this room. People are watching online right now. And you're calling their name once again. They're the lost sheep. You're, you're, you're searching for them to bring them home. Let us come out of the bushes. Let us come into your presence. Let us come to the feet of your son that we may know peace and joy in this life and in this world. Help us to accept your covering of grace to live in joyful gratitude at your goodness to us. That while we're yet sinners, you die for us. To make us clean, to make us whole, to make us yours. Thank you for a word that is true, Father. We love you very much. In Christ's name we ask these things. Amen.